But at the end of the day, if you want to serve your employees, if you want to serve your community, and a lot of the people that I work with are very big into being charitable, you need to be profitable. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to pay your employees. You're not going to be able to pay them well. You're not going to be able to serve your community. You're not going to be able to serve your family. This is another uh, episode of the Business Blind Spots Exposed podcast. Uh, I'll call it the Blind Spots podcast because that's a lot shorter. <laughs> um, but first, I want to start out a little bit and tell you why we do this podcast or why I've been doing this podcast. There's the stuff that you know. There's the stuff that you know you don't know. And there's all the other stuff in the world you've, you have no idea that's happening at all. And that's the stuff that you really need to be aware of as a business leader, as an individual. And for me, I found out the more I start investing in asking other people what they see from their perspective, the more I could see those things. I call those blind spots. The more blind spots I can see, the better I can do. So today I have with us uh, Rocky Lalavani. Rocky, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to getting into some of the details. Let me do a little and bit. Today, I've got Rocky Lalvani. The, number, the numbers behind why you should think Profit First. Profit First is a book written by Michael Michalowicz. And Rocky is a coach and a teacher and a mentor for people in terms of thinking profitability in their business. Sometimes people feel like profitability has got a hard edge to it. I think Rocky is going to help us temper that a little bit more in terms of our thinking. So a um, couple of things. Throughout the course of this, if you have questions for Rocky or I, feel free to chime in to the comments and say, hey, I, I got a question. I don't understand. I would love to hear them. And I'm sure Rocky would love to elaborate more, kind of clarify uh, some of the things that he's going to talk to us about. So if, uh, if you're listening in on one of the three platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, or, or on YouTube, just tell us where you're connecting from. I'd love to see who's on uh, and... and and what you're, what you're looking for in the session today. But let me introduce you to Rocky. So serves, Rocky serves as the chief profitability advisor for business owners. He teaches them how to ensure how they get paid. My mom used to always tell me, pay yourself first before you pay others. And I didn't realize the wisdom of that until much, much later on. And I think Rocky is going to give us some more re reasons why you should think that way. So get paid, how owners get, uh, make sure that, ensure that they get paid and how they make profit a priority. He's a certified Profit First professional, and he implements Michael Michalowicz's Profit First system. Uh, he changes the accounting formula for success, and I think there's a whole thread there that we probably need to explore. Um, sales minus expenses equals profit, uh, to sales minus profit equals expenses, which is just, just a little bit of a mind shift in how you think about things, and I'd love to explore. Maybe that's where we uh, kind of start first. But it's not about the money at all. It's about the people that come before the money, take care of the people. Then the money comes along for the ride. Uh, Rocky, did I do a good job of trying to frame up how you look at things and how you help business owners shift their mindset? Is that a reasonable way? I think it's very reasonable. I think you did a great job. Thank <laughs> you for the, the nice introduction. So uh, I, until I met you, I'd never heard of Michael Michalowicz, and I'd never heard of Profit First. And I will tell you, at first when I talk, I mean, everyone talks about in these large companies, they're all about profit, all about making money. 
And my first reaction to it was a little caustic. I was like, hey, gosh, that seems so short-sighted. But then I started to talk to you and realized, no, 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 no. It's not just about making money. It's about people and the processes and how you approach that. That means the profit comes along with it. Did I, did I get that right? You did. I think a lot of people, when you talk about business and profit, they automatically go to a very negative place. And they think that you're trying to screw people or you're trying to make a buck at, at the cost of everything else. And nothing could be further from the truth. That's not what we're talking about. But at the end of the day, if you want to serve your employees, if you want to serve your community, and a lot of the people that I work with are very big into being charitable, you need to be profitable. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to pay your employees. You're not going to be able to pay them well. You're not going to be able to serve your community. You're not going to be able to serve your family. And that's what this is really about, is giving you the ability to do those things. And to one of the things we talk about is you should make your financial decisions based on your values, not your bank account. And when you're not profitable, you're going to start mm. to make decisions based on your bank account. How do I cut corners? Who am I not going to pay today? Instead of doing it based on your values. So I, I, I like this. You know, something that someone taught me personally a long time ago is just simply this idea that, look, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're making decisions based on the money, not based on what you want to live as a lifestyle. And I'm seeing the same parallel here is keep that profitability, those finan the financial component of your business sacrosanct, right? Treat that properly. And then you can go and focus on all the stuff that you need to do because you're not worried about whether you've got money in the bank or not. Is, am, I, am I getting that right? That is correct, sir. So how does that change? I mean, that seems like, I mean, to some degree, it seems like a just a slight nuance. You're just, you know, kind of splitting hairs, but it's not. It's a, just a completely different mindset. It's a way of thinking that is different. Is that correct? It is. So what are you told in business? We're told you have to spend money to make money. Yep. We had a conversation the other day. You said, I need salespeople. Did I not show you a way to hire salespeople without spending money? Yes, you did. <laughs> So bottom line is everyone's telling you that you have to spend money to make money because they're all selling you stuff and they want your money, <laughs> I, right? I tell people, you don't need more resources. You need to be more resourceful. Oh, gosh, I like that one. So the other thing we talk about, and I've got a whole bunch of these, these pithy little sayings, you know, for most people, especially business owners, they think profit is an event, we say profit is a habit, right? For a lot of business owners, they go, oh, I'll be profitable when I sell my company and I get my big payday. That doesn't always happen. You need to be profitable now because if you're profitable now, you will get a massive payday later. No one wants to buy an unprofitable company. Especially if you can show a process to continually stay in that place. I mean, that's what that's equity in the business, right? When you build a process that you can keep reinvesting in and it keeps working. Correct. So, I mean, that's what a habit is, right? A process. It's a process. Yeah, it's a behavior. So profit first is about changing your behaviors and to think differently about the business. 
So there's actually another book. It's called uh, Islands of Profit in a Sea of Red Ink. It's written by Jonathan Burns. He's an MIT professor. He looked at large corporations. Mm -hmm. What he found is in a large corporation, 20 to 30% of what they do is highly profitable. 30 to 40% of what they do loses money and the rest is break even. You say to yourself, well, why wouldn't these big companies start to say, well, wait a minute, why don't we just focus on the highly profitable? Why don't we look for these pools of profit? Number one, they don't always have good systems in place to tie all of the resources together to figure out what actually is involved in that particular item. Number two, there's a lot of psychological problems. So I'm the head of a Fortune 500 company. I go to Wall Street and go, next quarter, we're cutting our revenue by 50% and we're increasing our profit by 200%. You know what Wall Street's going to do to me? They cut my head off. <laughs> Right? Yeah. But think about it. Why? Like, we, we have been taught the wrong systems. If you could work half as much or a quarter as much as you work now and be twice as profitable or three times as profitable, why wouldn't you do that? So let me give you an example. You're a business owner, right? Yeah. I got a million dollars in revenue this year. I made $100,000. Here's what conventional wisdom says. I want to make $200,000. Okay, go sell $2 million of product. It's like, well, wait a minute. It's a lot of work to sell $1 million. Now you want me to work twice as hard to sell $2 million. And as I grow, I probably will, will lose some efficiencies. So hopefully I make, you know, the $200,000. Maybe I make one seventy-five. We tell people, well, why don't we just stop for a minute? Let's get off the treadmill, the hamster wheel. Let's think about this. If you increase prices 10%, you just doubled your profit. You did nothing else. So the question is, is how do you create pricing power to increase your prices by 10%? Some people are scared. Some people need a differentiator. Now let's take it one step further. If I could cut my expenses by 11%, which most businesses can do overnight because we waste money, I just tripled my profit. All I did was think. And by thinking, I tripled my profit. People don't think. Well, they think they think. They're just examining They're, from the exact same perspective <laughs> they've always looked at it from, right? Well, most business owners are so busy in the business. They're, they're dealing with today's fire, today's emergency, today's you know, shiny object, they're not thinking big picture about their business and how they can bring about change. I'm furiously jotting notes here just as kind of, you know, I'm always trying to think in terms of blind spots and learnings right here. And I just, I mean, so as soon as you said this idea of, you know, increase your price by 10%, drop your expenses by 11%, you just triple your profit. Gosh, that seems so intuitive but you never think about that right <laughs> that's part of the problem uh you you've been thinking about yeah I, i've got to double my business in order to get there and i know that's not going to come as easily that's going to be an uphill challenge to get there i've got to double the number of people i've got potentially or product or services or payments that i have in order to be able my expenses to get there <sighs> right and that's where 
you kind of just have that heavy sign like i don't want to do that because i just kind of ruin my lifestyle but instead if you just got laser focused on doing the same thing better and faster and scaling what is highly profitable yeah it makes kind of a lot of sense (laughs) and we haven't even talked about you know if you can improve your processes and you can implement systems to reduce the amount of time that it takes to deliver a product or the amount of inputs that you require. Well, now we can quadruple our profits yeah. without working harder by thinking about our business and by listening to our employees who are on the front line doing the work. How often do we listen to our frontline employees and, and take feedback from them and listen to how we could make, no, we, this is the way we've always done it. Just do it what like what you're told. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a whole other probably five beer conversation right there. <laughs> <laughs> we we've got employees. You know, uh, uh, as much as I uh, I've got my some differences with the way some way some things were done. Steve Jobs used to say, and he's got some brilliant things that he said. One of those things is, you know, I don't hire smart people to tell me what to do. I mean, to so I can tell them what to do. I hire smart people so they can tell me what to do. What a brilliant thing. You've got employees out there on the front lines seeing what is, they know the ground truth, you don't. And if they're telling, hey, this process isn't working, uh, so many of us just tend to say, well, I know this process, I'll, I'll do it my way. When in fact, they, they're, they're, they're the right people to tell you how to do that, right? And that's where the process movement improvement can come from. They are. And if you also think about it, and this is where employees also have a... They have incentive to spend money, mm-hmm. right? Instead of save money for the company. So if you don't create the incentives for them to save your company money, they'll spend your money left and right because it's not theirs. And so you have to you have to create that whole mindset and you have to share the profits with them, which comes back to what we talked at, at the beginning. If you can run a highly profitable company, then you can pay your people more. I always like to talk about Costco. Costco pays its employees more than other people pay, but they need less employees. Their employees love working there. And overall, they probably spend the same or less, but they get better productivity. You know, I had another business owner on a couple of months ago, and he says, I don't think of my employees as employees. I think of them as partners in the business. We all Mm -hmm. have different roles. And the way he uh, played it out was this idea that he said, gosh, I can spend every moment of every day thinking, he's like, I only have so much time in a day and so much processing power. So I've got to focus on the stuff that I'm supposed to to focus on. Now, if I go to each one of my employees and say, hey, anything up to a hundred bucks, you just figure out how to take care of it. So if they've got to spend a hundred dollars, they go spend a hundred dollars. He said, if if they're going through and figuring out how to save a hundred dollars for me, and I have 10 employees and they all do it each month, $100 a month. I just saved $100 and they figured it out, not me. He said, by giving that kind of culture, if I now start saving $100 every single month per employee, he said, over time that starts to compound and I'm not doing anything, but he built the culture to think that way. And I think that's exactly what I'm hearing from you, right? Divest that control of being the single arbiter of change, the only one who can say, yes, I have to make the edict before it goes forward. Let your employees kind of the best way to get there. The biggest roadblock in most businesses and their growth is the owner. Yeah. 
It's letting go and learning to let go and then reward those employees for saving you money. Right? There, you have to share the wealth. This is not all about winner take all. So I got to imagine, I mean, this kind of applies to any business. Are there particular businesses that, is there a particular segment of businesses that have this problem most? Or is it everybody? It just, is it all the same thing? Tell, tell me more about that. I would say 80% of business owners don't look at their financials or know what to look at in their financials. 15% kind of have a clue. There's probably only 5% of business owners who truly understand their numbers and make decisions based on it. If you look at certain industries, certain industries are just more apt to be less numbers oriented. And it might surprise you who they are. So let's make fun of some people. Um, attorneys, right? Everyone likes to make fun of them. The, the question they all ask themselves is, hey, why'd you go to law school? Because uh, there's no math class. <laughs> well, how do you expect them to be good business people if there's no math class when they go to law school? You go to physicians. Physicians are not taught business in medical school. They're 20% of our national economy. They don't understand their business. You look at creatives. Creatives and money is like oil and water. I know you deal with a lot of service business owners. Think about it. If you're a guy who came up through the trades, you love doing your trade. The last thing you want to do is take care of billing and look at your accounting software. You're not an accountant and you don't want to be one. But somebody has to play that role within a company. Somebody has to be focused on your profitability. So I, honestly, the big part of this is creating a scoreboard and measuring against the scoreboard. We do it in sports all the time. We've got a scoreboard, big scoreboard. Everyone knows who's winning and who's losing. Why don't businesses have scoreboards? Are we doing well or are we not doing well? What's our target? How are we doing towards our target? What can we do to change? What new play can we put on so that we have better results? So this is really interesting because, you know, you and I talked to her earlier, I mean, well, last week. Uh, and one of the things that we've done is to that scoreboard idea, we went through and took a look at the 80th percentile, the people who get, you know, get sort of the B's and up in a company. And I said, if everybody in your company performed at that B level, uh, there was about a 25 to 30% lift in company profitability, sustainability, so on and so forth. And that's a large number. And the first time I saw it, 20, 25%. I mean, that's massive, massive without changing a single employee, without changing a single thing, really. In the, it's just doing what already is, but better and more focused. Wow. That's a lot of lift. Though. I mean, as a business, that's what we do. We go into these companies to tell them, hey, here's, here's your blind spot, right? Here's, here's what's slowing you down. But what I love here is if you give those employee scorecards, you give the manager scorecards, senior leadership has their scorecards, everybody knows how to stay focused and where to stay on that, that, that 20 to 30% that is really high profit to that book done from Jonathan Burns, right? Yes. Well, and even Traction talks about it. Traction talks about every person needs a number. Yeah. Right. Whatever that goal is. I, I answer phone calls in three rings. We we return emails in six hours. We we do like everything gets numbered. And then it, it's easy to say doing well, not doing well, plus minus, and how do we go about that? Yeah. 
So talk to me, um, when do, I find that most people start to look, so first of all, people won't change anything until they believe they've got to change, right? They say, all right, something's here, something's not going right. I, I, they're inspected enough, they're getting some frustration, there's some hardship, and they're like, I got to change something here. I don't know what it is. And they're open to change. When do people start to realize that something like a profit-first system is right for them? Is it because they've been beating their head against the wall for the last 15 years and they can't grow past nine employees? They say, all right, I'm, I want to do this for a 16th year, but I just can't seem to punch through this glass ceiling. Is that the frustration they're feeling? What, how are people feeling when they start to approach you? So it depends where they are in their journey. Most people did not open a company to lose money, yeah. right? So Profit First works as a startup. It's a mentality shift. Most business owners, usually they're coming to me because they've, they've been able to generate revenue. But then they're like, where did it all go? Like, I don't understand this. I've got a seven-figure business. Where, where is my money? Where is my reward? Where is what's going on? Help me understand. And they're frustrated. They get frustrated at tax time. Their accountant says, hey, congratulations, you were profitable. And he's like, I don't understand. There's no money in the checking account. And here's how much you own taxes, at which time the business owner freaks out and goes, how am I supposed to pay those taxes? Because they didn't plan for it. You know, one of the cool things with Profit First is we set money aside for taxes day one. When tax time comes, you just stroke a check. You don't fuss over tax time anymore. You behave like a big company. Every quarter you get a profit check because you invested in your business. It's supposed to be profitable. So they get a profit check. But, I mean, Rocky, isn't this the same thing as doing budgeting? But but what I'm hearing that's different here is this is the same thing as budgeting. But so many people think budgeting is this big, huge, onerous challenge i got to go through all this planning well maybe not i mean uh you know i've got some rental properties we've got finally family finance i got a couple things in my head that i already know i just got to do this right the same thing in business if you start to write those things down hey i've got ten dollars that's going to come in the door i already know the first five dollars are going to be used well now i have that five bucks left over as opposed to waiting till the ten dollars comes in hey pay this pay this pay this is that what i'm kind of hearing is it just kind pre pre-planning Profit first is a cash allocation system. Okay. So, you know, if you think about the way your, your grandparents probably did money, they would get their paycheck and then they would have envelopes. One envelope might be for rent. One envelope might be for groceries. One envelope might be for utilities. And they would take their paycheck and they put the money in the envelope where it belonged. And when it came time to pay that bill, they took the money on the envelope and they paid the bill. When you ran out of money, you stopped spending. What business owners do is they throw all this money in the one bank account. They look at the bank account and they go, hey, there's money in there. We can spend. They're like, Wait a second. Did you pay yourself? Oops. Did you pay your taxes? Oops. Did you remember that you have a $20,000 bill tomorrow that's due that you spent two months ago and forgot about? Oops. So what Profit First does is it creates bank accounts. Each one has a purpose. The, the first one is your revenue account. So whenever I look at my revenue account, I can see how much money came in from the last time I did my allocations. 
And then we create a set schedule. And what you do is as soon as money comes in, the first thing you do is allocate money to profit based on a percentage that you determine is reasonable. The next thing we do is allocate money to your pay because you as the business owner deserve to get paid. The next thing we do is allocate money to taxes because it's the government's money. It's not yours. And the last thing we do is allocate money to operating expenses. And so when we look at the operating expense budget, we've already covered everything that we need to cover. And now we live on what's left. Most business owners are not looking at their budgets. They're not looking at their accounting statements. Most of that stuff is so far behind. It's a rear view mirror. I can't drive going forward today. But what this does is it shows you real time how much money is actually in your operating expenses that's truly available to spend. Because you look at your bank balance and you know. You can see how your revenue is doing because you look at your bank balance and go, yeah, revenue's coming in. It's looking good. So the way I think of it is when I was younger, I, when they started first having bill pay, I was one of probably one of the first wave of people that started saying, as soon as I saw bill pay, I was like, this is gold here because I hated sitting down and licking the envelopes and stamps yeah. and stuff. As soon as Bill K pay came in, hey, my check is going to get deposited on the first first Monday, the second, third Monday, for example, or whatever that number is, that day was. All right, as soon as that happens on the second, on the Tuesday right after it, boom, money just goes out of the account. And what's left, I can do whatever the heck I want with it because everything's mm -hmm. taken care of, right? So if I want to go on a vacation that week because, or I just want to go to Atlantic City or wherever I want to go, that's fine. Everything's taken care of. I don't have to think twice about it, right? So I think what I'm hearing here is it's really just setting up a structure for discipline mm -hmm. to let you start to put money into the right buckets already so you don't have to think about keeping it in your head. That's, that stuff is automated to some degree, right? And what that does is you get to that last chunk of money and you say, huh, what do I feel like doing? <laughs> I've, got, I've got discretion at that point. So we will even do that. We will set up separate accounts for future events. Mm -hmm. So somebody says, I want to hire another employee. Can I afford it? I go, let's find out. Let's open an account. Let's call it future employee. Start paying your employee right now. And that account is starting to build up cash. You're starting to see how your business can afford to pay another employee and then three or six months from now, when it's time to pay that and bring the employee on board and hire them, well, they're not going to be productive day one. So now you have a reserve till they get productive and you're already used to paying them. So you know it's possible. Some people might have heavy equipment costs. Well, then start putting money aside for your big equipment so that when it comes time to buy the big equipment, the money sitting in the account, you can stroke a check. You don't have to pay somebody 10% interest. So, I'm, gosh, people are expanding, right? They want to start a new location. I'm worried about mm -hmm. a new location. I don't know if I have the budget. I can't I can't see that. And it's such a leap of faith is the feeling that you right. got that new location. Instead, say, here's my new location account. I'm going to start funding with, I don't know, 5000 bucks a month, whatever that number is, right? Mm -hmm. I'll put that money aside. Can I actually do it? Hey, after six months, hey, I've got 30 grand sitting in that account. I've continued to be able to support that five grand a month or whatever that real number is. Huh. I can probably do this. And so it actually helps you build a lot more confidence because it's a process and a habit that you've created. And you now have $30,000 to open your new location. 
Yeah, that's right. So, okay. So now all of a sudden we're talking about this idea that you kind of come in and you help them take a look at things and say, let's not worry. Let's not pay things at the end, right? Let's start putting buckets up front. So just start dropping things in buckets. As soon as I start dropping buckets, that number that's left over, that's what you have. But the good thing is that instead of being in a stressful position of, I've still got to pay all this stuff here, said, all right, everything's all paid. So it the mind shift goes from uh, this idea of I've got to, to I, I already have. And there's, it seems like there's relief in that mindset as, a, as an owner or leader of that company. There is relief. And you know that it's possible. And here's the reality. Life happens. So if in that three to six months life happens, you'll see it and you'll know and you'll have reserves to handle life happens. That's a big part of what we do. We try to get business owners to build up cash vault accounts so that when they get hit, because we're all going to get hit, they have months and months of runway. So they sleep at night. Because they know even if something happens, you know, within a few months, I can pivot my way through this. What do I do today? And if you've got the cash reserves built up, then life is easy. So you, you're not fundamentally changing. I mean, there's the opportunity to increase your price and reduce your cost. There's, you, even before, yeah. that, right? Just start mm-hmm. with pocketing, right? And with the same amount of money, you'll just feel different. It's, it's kind of the easiest win. Uh but getting those buckets right, how, how do you get, I mean, that seems like, that seems like the complicated part. Is it that complicated? It, it's not that complicated. Usually what I tell people is go to your tax return and your tax return will show you your revenue. And then you can do some basic calculations. Well, how much were your tax? Well, you know what percentage of revenue tax is. How much was your profit? You know what percentage of revenue profit is. How much did you get paid? Okay, you know what that percentage of revenue was and how much are your operating expenses? Well, now you know what percentage that is. Start with where you are today. In the book, there are targets. It's not to say they're perfect, but there are targets in the book that can show you where you can go. We tell people it's 10 quarters to get from where you are to where you want to be. Things happen slowly. This is not overnight. You try and do stuff overnight, you'll blow up your business. It is a slow, steady process that takes time. Some people do it faster. Some people do it slower. It depends on your business. So 10 quarters is kind of, if, if you really want to go all in with this strategy, ten quarter, at the end of 10 quarters when you start to see it, I suspect it's, it's also not a black and white, hey, I go from stressful to, hey, life is good, right? I mean, that's a 10-quarter no. shift. In, oh, it's probably even sooner than that, you start to see the, the relief by putting those. You do. Points, right? And you make small changes every quarter. Every quarter, you might make a change of 1%, 2%, But think about that. If I cut my costs 3% in a quarter, after 10 quarters, I've cut my costs by 30%, which is massive. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the alter- the op- almost complete opposite to that, which I think somewhat proves that point, is this idea of improve 1% every day in terms of your personal self, right? Yeah. Improve, just improve. At the end of 100 days, you're 100% improved, which is which is a massive gain, right? Con- conversely, if you do a 3% savings every quarter, after 10 quarters, you've saved right. 
a lot of money, right? Yeah, and or even if you up your profit by one percent a quarter, yeah, at the end of ten quarters, you have a ten percent profit margin. Yeah, that's right. So, how do people get started? I mean, what talk, talk me through a story because I'm a, I'm a kid at heart. I love my stories. <laughs> Tell me a story, Rocky. You know, you're sitting there one day, and the phone rings, and all, and they say, "Rocky, I gotta have you." How does that story play out? How how does it start? How does that conversation go? Where does it go? With me personally and the way I do things with my clients? Yeah. The first thing is I don't look at people as silos. Okay. So I want to know everything about you from how you learned about money growing up to what's your family look like to what your goals are to, you know, what is going on in the entire circle of your life. Because if you're not having a good time at home, you know, if you're stressed at home, you're stressed at business. And if you've got certain bad money scripts, they're going to flow through to your business too. So number one, and I think most businesses run as silos, is understanding that everything affects everything else. So I want to see what that person is holistically. The next thing we do is we figure out, based on their financials, their tax returns, and everything else, where they are today. And we start with where you are today. And then what we do is we start to make small changes over time to help you get to where you want to be. One of the biggest things I will do for clients is we will look at all of your clients, all of your services, all your products, and start asking which ones are profitable, right? And a lot of times you will see people like, oh, I want to sell this because I make $50,000. But when I sit down and I look at that $50,000 sale, I go, but it costs you sixty. <laughs> and I go, well... Well, we have these boring products over here. They sell for three grand a month. I go, yeah, and your cost on those is $300. That's your pool of profit. Let's stop selling $50,000 because it's cool. And let's start selling this $3,000 product because it's making you money hand over fist. But you've got to know what that is. Yeah. And increasing your margins, appropriately increasing your pricing. Many business owners are afraid to increase pricing. Many of them picked a price because that's what the competitors were charging. They don't even know if it's profitable. So being able to, to do all of those things. And it's just, I, I create the space to think about your business instead of just being stuck in your business. So... So you come in as this uh, profitability officer, I mean, this fractional of profitability officer, right? So you give them a new set of lenses in which to look at how the money is flowing through that company. They make the decisions, mm -hmm. but you're saying, so hold on a second here. What I'm seeing as a process here might be a little ineffective, right? You've got money coming in, whether it comes in every single day or a couple times in a week or just once, uh, once, once a month, whatever the case may be, once a year, whatever else it is. Let me start giving you some buckets that I think you ought to start thinking about. Now, all of a sudden, that person is going to say, okay, uh, it makes sense to me because I was spending $10 before. I'm spending $10 now. It's just that I've got the bucket set up. So every money goes into those, into those buckets beforehand. Once they start seeing that and they, uh, you know, for example, I have a couple of rental properties and taxes, insurance, uh, slush fund for appliances going bad. They're buckets for all that stuff. Everything goes in, right? And over you actually put the money in a separate account for each of those buckets. I do. 
So you're doing profit first. And what happened was over the course of a couple of years, I went and looked at it. I was like, man, that's there's a good chunk of change in there. I said, I need to use that money for something else. <laughs> <laughs> and if you oversave, you can. But at the same point, if you've got a rental, you know, one day you're going to have to put a roof on that house. Yeah, that's right. And so you do need a large chunk of change. One day you're going to have to change appliances. Most real estate investors don't actually put the money aside. And then it's like, oh, no, I need a new roof. Well, I don't have any money. Well, eh, let's put off that repair. And then the roof leaks. And then the tenant moves out. Now you've got mold. And you, you went down this whole cascade because you didn't put money aside for the roof. And it wasn't an emergency. You knew the roof was 22 years old and it needed to be replaced soon. Yeah. So in my case, I actually take uh, all those properties, put an estimated age and all those things. And as to yep. when those things are going to do water heater 10 years, for example, right? Yeah. At the end of 10 years, uh, look, if I get 20 years out of it, fabulous. Great. Yeah, right. Yeah. But after 10 years, I am waiting for that, that, you know, that shoe to drop. I'm ready to write a check for $1,800 to get a brand new water heater. And then the all the labor that goes on top of it. Right. Right. I think that's the thing is so at some point in time when I had, you know, quite a few, tens of thousands uh, sitting in, in those flood and all those different accounts. It's like, all right, it's time to go buy another rental property <laughs> because uh, all the expenses of the things that would come in the door, I had more than that. And I think that's kind of what you're saying here. 10 quarters later, you have options that you've built for yourself as opposed to obligations that you have to fill. Correct. And you can then appropriately reinvest that money in a way that you see fit. Whether it's outside, I try to tell people, pull the money out of the business and go create other businesses so you have multiple streams of income. Because you never know when things are going to change in your world. Yeah. I mean, COVID could come. COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Technology. Technology is changing the world faster and faster. I hate to be a GPS manufacturer today because nobody's buying GPSs. And it wasn't that long ago that they were the hottest thing on the market. Yeah. That's, and then, boom, the world changed. Yeah, that's right. So somebody kind of comes to you, so they you, you start going through a little bit of their um, sort of the narratives that they already believe in from, from the upbringing, from whatever financial lessons they have learned from family or whatever the case may be. Once you've done that, what happens after that? We are constantly course adjusting. Okay, when a plane leaves New York and it goes to California, it is off course 99% of the time. Hmm. And yet somehow it lands on the right runway <laughs> because you're constantly course correcting. Most business owners are not constantly course correcting. What I'm doing is I am helping them to constantly course correct. Every month we're looking at the numbers. What did the scoreboard say? What did we expect? What did we get? Why did that not happen? Or why did this happen? Like, what what, what happened? Do we need more of that happening? Do we need less of that happening? Because sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's one time. Sometimes it's a trend. What can we do to continually improve? As you said, what if I could just improve my business 1% a month? Three years later, you've got a 36% improvement in your business. Yeah. You've got it. You got to set the time aside, and that's what I do. I create the space and the time for people to have these conversations. It's a second set of eyes, somebody outside the business who can, when you hit a friction point, 
help you through that friction point, give you other options that you can't see because you're in the middle of the forest. All you see is the tree in front of you. I see the whole forest. So it seems, I mean, in, in the discussion we're having here, I mean, and I personally have done it myself, so I, 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 I buy into it. It's, it's kind of nice that I always kind of this slush fund sitting over here. That's what I call it, my slush fund. So if ever I want to go to the, my next property, I say, well, I mean, how much do I really need? I need $20,000 for all my rental properties to cover all the potential expenses in the next 12 months. All right. But I've got 36000 sitting in that account. All right. sixteen k I can start to play with. Right. And that just gives me peace of mind having that. Yeah. But, I mean, in theory, it sounds easy. Why don't people do it? It seems, I mean, it seems to make sense. Where do people get stuck? Life is pretty simple. Doing simple is hard, right? <laughs> you want to lose weight. It's pretty damn simple. Eat less, go to the gym. And yet what happens? Now, imagine instead of just saying eat less, go to the gym, when you showed up at the gym, the trainer's there and says, okay, you have a 7.30 appointment. Be here at 7.30 tomorrow. You show up at 7.30. All right, do this, do this, do this. Give me three more. I know you can go one more. Okay, give me one more. Then you leave, you go home, and somebody has a prepared meal for you. Here is your prepared meal with exactly what you need to eat and the appropriate ingredients. Then at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you're like, I'm hungry. Normally, you just go get a bag of potato chips, and before you know it, it's gone, just like your bank account. You see all that money, you spend it just like you eat the bag of potato chips. But if the dietitian's there, okay, you're hungry? All right, I'm going to give you this. This is what you get. They're like, ugh, I didn't really want that, but fine take your medicine and you get on with life. It's the same thing in business. You need discipline. So oftentimes it's that people are just scared of the discipline of setting up the systems in place. They're busy. Your wife's screaming at you. The kid's got to be somewhere. You know, the truck broke down. You want me to, I don't have time to think about that. Yeah, I uh, I remember that first conversation. It happened to be at Citibank that I set up those accounts. I haven't used them in some time, but I remember that first conversation. I went to him and said, "All right, I just got a rental property. I want to set up nine accounts." And the guy said, "What? What for?" I said, "But you know, this is for you know property taxes. This one's for the slush fund." And they kind of looked at me like I was smoking something because I wanted to have nine accounts, and they were only going to have you know. $50 a month dropped into one particular account. But over time, he started seeing how these things all started to amass and he started making sense to him. He said, ah, this is a, this is a good, good idea. Uh, and obviously I had found a lot of comfort in having that. But it took the time to sit down and come up with those percentages, right? Which mm -hmm. is what you're talking about. The idea of using your taxes to figure out what those percentages are. Gosh, you've already got the measuring stick, right? Why, why start somewhere else? I mean, I wish I'd been so smart to do that. <laughs> but it's just taking the time to sit down and do it. But you have that release and unlock from the burden of money. Money just makes you so, yeah, it adds such burden to your life when it's sitting there on your head. It's emotional. Yeah. It's very emotional. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. The reality is most people are not taught about money. You go to school, kindergarten through 12th grade, they don't teach you money. They might teach you how to write a check. I have a Bachelor of Science in Economics. They didn't teach me how to build wealth. I have an MBA. They didn't teach me how to build wealth. Like, 
nobody's out there teaching these principles. And then, then there's the, all the emotional baggage. Well, math is hard. I don't want to do math. Right? You started this whole conversation. Profits are evil. You know, uh, my, uh, my uh, kids, one of them came to me one day and said, you know, I don't like doing my math homework. And I kind of looked at them like, that doesn't, that doesn't go over well with me. Uh, I said, why? Why don't why don't you like your math? Well, one of my friend says they don't they don't do math, and they they I could see it starting to come out. They're about to say I, I just math's not my thing. I looked at him. I said, "Do you tell me when you're getting that second bowl of cereal that you filled your stomach? You you know that your stomach is not full, but you can put another bowl of cereal in there, uh, so you will be full." They said yes. I said, "Well, you know that's math, right? So you do math <laughs> every single or every moment of every day." So the idea that you don't do math, well, you might be discrediting how much you do math already. It's, uh, well, you see that. You see kids and go, oh, I don't do math. And then you start talking about baseball. And they know all the stats for the player. It's like, right. uh, I think you do math, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, a uh, certain ERA or, or RBI. Uh, and and why don't you know that for your business? Yeah. So, uh, so traction. Traction sets up scorecards score and dashboards. Is yeah. there overlap between the two systems? Uh, do, you, are, do you see them as complementary? I know a ton of EOS implementers, the guys who teach traction, mm -hmm. and they are all like, we love profit first because while we say you have to have a money system, our money system is very basic. You okay. roll this thing into our traction system and you supercharge the money part of traction. So I, I really do like that. I and mean, that's essentially what I thought you were going with it too, is because while it creates the scorecards and dashboards, it doesn't tell you necessarily what are the best scorecards and dashboards or best of breed are, right? It's It gets them to the first point where they're just starting to be aware of what narratives are happening in their company. Mm -hmm. Well, with this, you're starting to say, all right, there's a narrative that happens almost every single time in every company. Let's start there. <laughs> uh, so it, it really does drill down to a deeper level for any and every company does this but this doesn't really matter what size company it is right i mean the buckets don't matter i mean the buckets might be bigger at certain companies but that's about right. it right or you might have more buckets yeah some businesses have more buckets your rental business has nine buckets okay that's fine figure out how many buckets you need it works in any size company i've got startups who do this in the first quarter they're taking profit distributions because hmm. they started with that mentality so as leaders of companies, owners of companies, there's always 10,000 things, uh, spears that are kind of pointed at you. Everything from the legal side of things to the operational side to customers. When, when do you advise? I mean, the money is kind of pretty important <laughs> for a business, right? When do you think? I mean, it sounds like really at any point. Day now, one. Now is the right right now, now is the right time to do it, right? Yeah, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. And the next best time today. <laughs> so either you're already doing this or you start today. And do they, is it that people usually start with reading the book or they usually come to you and sit down and have the just sort of consult with you first and understand how to do it? A lot of people have who come to me have heard about the book already. Okay. Many of them have read the book. The number one complaint Mike has 
is people read the book, they hear him speak, they tell him how great the idea is, and then he asks the question, have you opened your accounts? They're like, no, we haven't started yet. So if you you can do this all, you can read the book and do this yourself. Go do it. Yeah, right. God bless you. Yeah. Most people won't. Well, it's because you get so wrapped up in the daily activity again, right? And mm -hmm. Uh, very often, to your point, people are often working in and not on their business. Business owners love the parts of the business that they love, yeah. and they ignore the parts they hate. And if that's you, when it comes to money, you're going to be in trouble. So either learn to love it or put somebody in the seat. Yeah. Right? EOS talks about putting people in the seats. Right. Right? Put somebody in the seat. It can be you. But someone's got to sit in that seat. So if someone were to start working with you, what's the, I mean, and by the way, I, I want to kind of run through a couple of, a bunch of notes that I've taken here. Okay. Um, if someone wants to work with you, what's, what's the best way to start? Do they just give you a call? Do they just email you and say, hey, Rocky, can you tell me more about how this all works? Is that the way the conversation starts? Yeah. So usually people will email me or most people will just get on my calendar. Okay. And we'll have a conversation. I'll learn a little bit about them. Then they usually will provide me access to their accounting system that I can see numbers. I don't want to touch your bank accounts or have access to your money. I just need to see your reports or your tax return. And then what I will do is I will come back to them and say, hey, based on what I've seen, this is where you're at. Based on the book, this is what Mike says you should be at. And based on what I can see about your company, I think that's either reasonable or unreasonable. And I will show them that. And then at that point, I will say, go do it. Or if you want my help, here's what I, your monthly investment to have me work alongside of you. So even if they don't hire me, they at least know where they're at in what's a reasonable path forward. And then they can choose to do with it as they please. So as I expected, uh, I would we're going to get a lot out of this, and uh, and the chat has been quiet. So I hope that that means a lot of people have been, and because we can't actually see how many people are on, so I hope that means that a lot of people have been furiously jotting notes and getting things out of this as much as I have. I want to kind of review back through a couple of things that I heard here. Right. Um, I think the first thing is this idea of keeping that profit. Um, uh, Profit sacrosanct, right? You think about it first. And because you think about it first, uh, you take that burden, that you take the monkey off your back <laughs> of money, right? You take it off your back and everything that's left over, you have full autonomy and discretion to do it to what you want, right? Because your obligations are already fulfilled. You've done it up front, right? Yeah, so this is Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law basically says you will use up all the resources allocated. Businesses will use up all the resources that are allocated to the business. If you constrain the resources, then you will figure out a way to get it done. So it comes down to the 80-20 rule, right? 20% what you do produces 80% of the results. 40% gets you 96% of the results, which means 60% of your time and money are wasted for very little return. Figure out what that 60% is and be super focused. Give up the 4%. Who cares? 
So 80-20 and, and 96-40. I hadn't heard about the 96-40. So all you're doing is if, if the rule is 80-20, 20% gives you 80% of the results. Now, the next 80% of the results come from the next 20%. So 80% of the 20% is 16. So that's where you get 40 to 96. Yeah. Uh, Rocky. So let me, so anybody who's been listening, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening in for those who will be listening to the podcast and looking at the YouTube video in the future. Uh, I hope you got a lot out of this. Uh, I, I was quite certain that we, I would, and I, and hope, hopefully you all have as well. Um, Rocky, let me tell you a little bit about what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks in, in next couple of hours here as, as we get this all process, this podcast cleaned up. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to take some of my notes here and I'm going to put them into some show notes and put them out and post them on LinkedIn. So anybody who has been listening in, uh, you won't be able to see these show notes. You'll be able to see what I'll call my one step takeaway guide from all of this. So you'll be able to see that as well. But uh, gosh, I've got quite a few notes here, a lot more than I'd expected, probably about <laughs> 20 different points here. So Rocky, thanks so much for uh, sharing with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, if it's okay, I'd like to put your contact info in, into the show notes. So if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to you and ask, ask further. Cool. So the website is Profit Comes First. And from the website, you can find my podcast, which is Profit Answer Man. You can schedule time with me. You can send me an email. If you want to check out the book, there's even a link to get two free chapters of the book along with some tools. So just go to ProfitComesFirst.com and you'll see all kinds of opportunities for you to, uh, to learn more and to connect. Thank you, Rocky. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me.